Hello and welcome. This is Perspective for Parents. My name is Nick Thompson, and this is a podcast for parents of adolescents. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. One of my favorite thought exercises to do is to look at the things that we tell our youth. In particular, I'd like to examine the cliches that parents, teachers, counselors, and other adults use when giving advice to young people. There are so many of them that deserve a closer look. So I'm actually thinking about making this a series on this podcast. We will see. Let me know if this is not interesting, and I'll be sure to make this a one-off. Okay, and before getting into the particular cliche that I want to dive into today, and just to have a little fun, here are some cliches that, in my opinion, don't hold water, especially when it comes to messages we want to communicate to our youth. First up, live every day like it's your last. Yeah, probably not the best approach we want our youth taking if we expect them to do their homework and remember to put their dirty clothes in the laundry basket. Next up, all's fair in love and war. Nope, sorry, not true. There are plenty of things that are not fair in love and in war. And finally, this old chestnut, shoot for the moon. Even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. And there's a great meme for this one that has Dwight from The Office pictured. And below that shoot for the moon quote, it says, false, the nearest star is 93 million miles from the moon. Okay, but now moving on to the cliche we use to counsel our youth that I want to focus on in this episode. You may have heard it a few hundred times yourself. And it is, drumroll, don't let it get to you. Don't let that get to you. Don't let so-and-so get to you. We bust out this worn out, and in my opinion, unhelpful piece of advice. When we feel our youth shouldn't be bothered by, angered by, worried, or saddened by something or someone. The idea for this episode, it actually came from a conversation I had last week with a young man. He was sharing with me that he was frustrated with himself because recently at his job, he noticed that he was getting upset about some little things that he felt should not be getting to him. And after he said that, I responded by saying, so it's getting to you that things are getting to you? So after that, we had this great conversation about this getting to you phrase that we use so often and how it doesn't make all that much sense and also how unhelpful it really is. And sort of a side note here, but one way to identify unhelpful advice is to notice if the word shouldn't is included. Now, if the shouldn't is followed by a behavior, well, then this advice isn't all that bad. For example, you shouldn't use your phone right before bed, or you shouldn't go grocery shopping when you're really hungry, or you shouldn't put tinfoil in the microwave. Those are some sound pieces of advice. But when the shouldn't is followed by an emotion, or feeling, then this recommendation loses its value. And this is where the idea of letting something get to you needs to be unpacked a bit. If letting something get to you, if that means that it makes you feel a certain way or brings about a negative emotion, then good luck trying to not let it get to you. However, if letting something get to you, if that means that you lash out at somebody, you decide to eat a bunch of garbage food, self-harm, do a bunch of drugs, then well, yeah. 
If your definition of letting something get to you is you behaving in a way that is harmful to you or others, yes, please, let's not do that. But when parents and other adults use the recommendation of don't let it get to you, we are usually telling the young person that they shouldn't feel a certain way. And that advice is impractical and counterproductive. It's okay to let something get to you. That is to say, it's okay that something bothers you, angers you, saddens you, or makes you worry. And why I said it's impractical to try to not let something get to you is because the space between stimulus and emotion is so, so very tiny. And very few people are able to use that space between stimulus and emotion to avoid feeling something they believe they shouldn't feel, a.k.a. avoid letting something get to them. What I think would be much better advice to tell young people is, don't let it getting to you get to you. Because that's really what the problem is when you think about it. And not just that. It's something. It's the thing. It's the space where a person actually has some control. And that was the issue the young man was having that I spoke to last week. The thing that was really messing with him is that he was upset with himself for being upset. And this is where we human beings get ourselves into trouble. We get angry that we are angry, sad that we are sad. We get worried about our worrying. And on the topic of worry, sometimes that emotion is delivered in a triple-decker whopper of worry. Here's Alan Watts to explain much better than I can, and in a much cooler accent. So then let's consider, first of all, what is a mind in the grip of vicious circles? Well, one of the most obvious instances that we all know is the phenomenon of worry. The doctor tells you that you have to have an operation. And that has been set up so that automatically everybody worries about it. But since worrying takes away your appetite and your sleep, it's not good for you. But you can't stop worrying, and therefore you get additionally worried that you are worrying. And then, furthermore, because that is quite absurd and you're mad at yourself because you do it, you are worried because you worry because you worry. That is a vicious circle. Okay, so you see, the first feeling, the primary emotion, is usually not the issue. It's our relationship with that primary emotion. And what seems to be the case is that our negative emotion about our negative emotion usually comes as a result of an opinion, our own opinion or someone else's. That opinion being that we shouldn't feel a certain way about something. So I hope that all made sense. And I hope you'll join me in getting a new piece of advice out there to the point where it may join that pantheon of cliches that we use with our youth. Let us share this with our youth. Let's tell them, don't let it getting to you get to you. And next level, if it's the case that your child has already let it getting to them get to them, well then, let's remind them that they don't need to let the fact that it getting to them has gotten to them get to them. All right, that was either profound or nonsensical. I'm guessing it's the latter. But what I'm trying to say is that the real problem 
The real issue that our youth usually have is way more about how they view, how they interact with their feelings, with their emotions. It is the negative and unhelpful relationship that they have with an emotion or feeling they believe or have been told that they should not feel. I guess it can be sort of seen as like when our youth let something get to them, get to them. What's going on there is they're allowing it to stay with them. There it is. That's it. Another entry I'd like to submit for your consideration. How about we give the boot to don't let it get to you and replace it with don't let it stay with you. And I get it. That may be what someone means, a parent means, when they tell their child that they shouldn't let it get to them. But why not use a better, more accurate language when delivering this message? Don't let it stay with you is a much better pearl of wisdom to bestow upon your child. Because when you think about it, by the time you as a parent become aware that something has gotten to your child, it's likely that it getting to them has gotten to them. So you can just skip that first step of telling them it shouldn't get to them because it already has. And just take a moment. Imagine how a shouldn't piece of emotional advice is actually experienced by a young person. For example, let's say your child is frustrated with how easily frustrated they are. So this makes them concerned. And then they lean in and they're honest enough to share their concern with you. If that disclosure is met with a, well, sweetheart, you shouldn't feel that way or some similar shouldn't response. Think about that message and think about how someone may experience this shouldn't statement. Wait, so I'm feeling something I shouldn't be feeling. Well, shoot, that must mean there's something wrong with me. This whole issue of mine got a whole lot bigger and more concerning than I originally imagined. And just a quick note here. This little piece of advice of uh, don't let it get to you. It has several cliche cousins. One of them being don't sweat the small stuff. On that one, I acted out a bit. Oh, well, this sucks. Because currently, I'm actually sweating. And I've been told I shouldn't be sweating. So I guess I should probably check in with you-know-who, Dr. Google, to see, you know, to check if there's a name for this. Oh, would you look at that? It turns out there is a name for this. Not just a name. Dr. Google has informed me that I have a condition, a condition known as hyperhidrosis. All right, he's being a little playful there. But I hope, I think that you get the point. What I'm trying to get at is that I believe we can do better. We can shift to a conversation about how, about what our youth can do to not let it stay with them. There's control in that idea. And I want to share something. It's something I've shared before, but I want to share it again. All right. So get this. An emotion can only last in your body for 90 seconds. It's true. And before you stop listening to me, because you think I'm full of it, because, you know, that can't be true. I've been angry for years. Just to back this up, here are the words of Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor from her book, My Stroke of Insight, A Brain Scientist's Personal Journey. These are her words, where she explains the 90-second rule. She writes, when a person has a reaction to something in their environment, there is a 90-second chemical process that happens in the body. 
After that, any remaining emotional response is just the person choosing to stay in that emotional loop. Something happens in the external world, chemicals are flushed through your body, which puts it on full alert. For those chemicals to totally flush out of the body, it takes less than 90 seconds. This means that for 90 seconds, you can watch the process happening. You can feel it happening. And then you can watch it go away. And after that, if you continue to feel fear, anger, and so on, you need to look at the thoughts that you're thinking. The thoughts that are re-stimulating the circuitry that is resulting in you having this physiological response over and over again. End of quote. Okay, so I hope that helps to make some sense of this 90-second rule. And I hope it also encourages you as a parent to shift into a conversation with your child about what they can do to not allow it to stay with them. If we can share with our youth that it's okay that something gets to them, and also let them know that the word shouldn't be used before the word feel, when we do those things, we can then move into a conversation that includes don't let it getting to you get to you, and also a discussion that focuses on here are a few ideas about how to not allow it to stay with you. Thank you for listening. If you found this podcast useful, please subscribe, rate, review, and share with a friend. If you would like to find more information about this podcast or my upcoming presentations, please check out my website, perspectiveforparents.com. Spelled out, that's perspective, the number four, parents.com. Thanks again.